You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. We'll spend our time talking to our learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktoragmail.com. And of course, I will answer as many questions as I can. And there's my nice picture on the screen. Okay, so we are up and running. You know, there's a lot of things happening in the world. And, uh, you know, sometimes people get tired of talking about them. But one thing I can tell you, the weather is gorgeous. It is unbelievable. Here we are, end of October. And maybe you need a raincoat. But besides that, no coats, no jackets, no nothing. I brought my class out today. So I do it every once in a while if I'm... It can happen with all the things we study. Sometimes you get to the end of the day, you get to the end of the week, and you finished everything. The kids were good. They they behave, they study, they let you do what you wanted to do. You finished all your lesson plans. So it was such gorgeous weather. How could I not take them out for extra recess? And that's exactly what we did. We went out, had a great time, ran around, a few puddles, a little muddy, but overall, why not, once in a while, for no reason whatsoever, let the kids have a good time. So that at least was a uh, good thing that happened this week. But here is an old story for you. So, um, I mean, it's got to be back, I don't know, 30 years ago, this story. You have to figure it out. You'll hear the story. If you know any history, you'll know the story. Okay. The past Ashkenazi chief rabbi of Israel was a Rabbi Yisrael Moshe Lau. And he was somebody who he met presidents. That was part of his job. Presidents, kings, prime ministers. And he even had meetings with Hansni Mubarak, or Mubarak as a past president of Egypt. He was uh, assassinated. And after the meeting, so President Mubarak said to this Rabbi Lau, you know, I would like you to meet... Um, the Grand Mufti, Dr. Muhammad Tantawi, he's like our spiritual leader. I think you would both hit it off quite well. So Rabbi Lau said, no problem. They met. Now again, this Rabbi Lau was a political person as well. He was not a fool. He knew exactly who he was meeting. He had done a, his research into the Grand Mufti. He was not walking in blind. So after the, the meeting, so Rabbi Lau tells the Grand Mufti, he says, you know, I'm so glad I was able to meet you here. I would like to reciprocate. I would like you to come to Israel and uh, meet with me over there. So this Dr. Muhammad Tantawi said, only if my passport is stamped Palestine. You can't stamp my passport Israel. So Rabbi said, come on. My passport is stamped Egypt. Why don't you want it to be stamped Israel? So the Grand Mufti said, no, 
you stole Palestine. You stole Palestine, you called it Israel, no deal. So Relao said to him, you know, I'm not an expert on the Quran like you, but I do have a question, and I know you know, uh, you probably know more about our Bible than I know about your Quran. So let me ask you, if, if Palestine is so important and Jerusalem is the capital and it's one of your holy places, please tell me, how many times in the Quran does it say Jerusalem? Or Zion. Zion is another biblical word. Either of those, how many times is it mentioned? And he's humming and hoying and... Mm, zero. Oh. Do you happen to know how many times in the Bible it says either Jerusalem or Zion? It's the same place. Well, I know it says it a little bit. So I'm allowed to say, I'll help you out. It says it 821 times. I'm not looking here to defend Israel's stolen silliness. I'm not. We've talked about it in the past. That's not what I'm really looking to do. But um, this idea that they uh, that they try to say that Israel is stolen is just totally fabricated. Totally, totally made up. But as uh, you know, I, I read an article, not the whole article, but unfortunately now with all the things going on in Israel, when a, one of the difficulties that people have to get ready for is all the fake stuff that's going to come out. All the AI-generated pictures and who knows what. And what happens is that it's really sad. It's just it's terrible. The, the, the different news organizations are so desperate to be the first one to get information that the information goes out first. And if necessary, okay, it wasn't Israelis who bombed the hospital. Well... It wasn't really a hospital, it was bombed, it was really in a parking lot. Oh, it was really only, only, uh, it was uh, the, the, the Gaza shot the missile themselves, whichever group it was, Islamic Jihad, whatever. And yeah, it wasn't 500 people, maybe it was 50, maybe it wasn't even 50. So nothing is believable. You, you get stuck not knowing what to believe, what not to believe, and if it uh, suits the purpose of... Uh, of uh, politicians on either side to say whatever they wish, they'll do so. So, like, you know, you got to sort of be careful. Except if you're listening to me. Because, you know, of course, like, I would make up anything. But in any case, um, so with that being said, here we are in the Torah portion of Lech Lecha. We've just met Abraham. Is it possible that this early in the Bible, it talks about Jerusalem, and the answer, of course, is yes. But, but, before we discuss where it says Jerusalem in this week's Torah portion, um, I forgot to mention when I was telling you, right, you can send your questions and comments to our mailbag, you can also send your comments and questions through our webpage at letstalktorah.net, that's let's talk. Torah.net, and you can send your questions that way. You can check out the archives. You can check out the new shows. You can hit that all-important donate button. So if I could ask you to please go to that donate button, hit that donate button, 
help us continue to educate, to um, to um, to share the wealth. You know, I saw a very interesting article. I didn't have a chance to read the whole thing. Um, and, of course, I don't remember her name. Her name is uh, Lipstadt. She wrote an article in the New York Times. She said something fascinating I was discussing with some friends yesterday, and that is that the best way to fight anti-Semitism is to be a educated Jew. If you are educated, or even if you're not Jewish, right? But if you are educated, if you understand your religion, if you know where you're coming from, if you are proud to be Jewish, and the only way to be proud to be, proud to be Jewish is to actually be educated. And that's why Jewish education is so important. Without Jewish education, you have no idea what to be proud about. You, you, all these kids on campus that probably are Jewish, that are pro-Hamas, because they don't know anything about being Jewish, especially those kids that are Jewish. And there are, there are unfortunately, on the campuses, Jewish kids that are so... Is unknowledgeable a word? If unknowledgeable is a word, they're, they are so lacking in their knowledge of being Jewish, that, yeah, they can be pro-Hamas because they don't know anything. So get out there, support Israel, take care of Israel, send money to those organizations that you trust. But don't forget you got to send money to organizations that educate. I am in the studio, of course. I'm just a small educator to help educate people. But, of course, in my classroom what I do every day, what we do in school, what we do for children, that will make a greater impact than anything. And that was good because I had to practice that because I have to start saying that to my donors. But in any case, so I told you that in this week's story portion, it actually says Jerusalem. Where? So we got to get some background in the story. Let's get some background in, and then we will find what actually says Jerusalem in this week's story portion. So, this is the Torah portion of Lech Lecha. I'm going to just quickly get us up to where I need to get us to. But um, Abraham is 75. God tells Abraham to go with his family to travel, to go. God doesn't say where. Abraham knew he meant to go to Israel. Abraham goes to Israel, makes his tent, makes his wife's tent, moves around, educating people, talking to people. There's a hunger in the land. He has to make his way down to, to Egypt where his wife is kidnapped, and then the, the angel comes and beats up the Pharaoh. Pharaoh gives Abraham's wife Sarah back with a lot of money and an apology and said, don't stay in my country. And it happens to be that Lot's nephew was hanging out with him. And they now go back to Israel, and they're in Israel, and then there becomes friction between Abraham's shepherds and load shepherds it's something uh, you know almost all kindergarten children in jewish day schools come home with they come over like a sheep with a muzzle like a little like you know one of these cardboard cutouts with like um cotton you know for the sheep and then there's like a muzzle by the sheep's mouth why why so abraham was famous that his animals were muzzled because shepherds were notorious thieves because i got to get food for my animals. Where are my animals supposed to get food from? <laughs> Nobody owns all the grazing land. So you find people's farms, and you go on the edges, and you, 
you're sneaking at night or by day because the farms are so big. No one can see what's from one end to the next. And yeah, check out this one, check out the next one. You're forever moving. Abraham would not allow his shepherds to graze in pro- on private property. While Lot didn't care. So the famous question is, the famous question is, like, how could Lot brazenly steal? So Lot's shepherds claimed, they said, look, Abraham is supposed to inherit the land of Israel. Abraham is 75 years old. His wife is 65 years old. They haven't had any children yet. No reason to assume they will have children. So who's going to inherit Abraham? Lot. And uh, and Lot says, I'm just taking my stuff a little early. I know it's all going to be mine. Let me take it now. Now, obviously the first problem is that Abraham will have children. He'll have Ishmael, by the way. And we'll also have Isaac. So Lot is totally out of the picture. So therefore there was fighting. Now it is fascinating. You have to think about this. I actually, um, we had a, uh, a Shabbat Brachas last night. Um, one of the one of my colleagues, his son got married. I actually taught that son many years ago. So we make what's called Shabbat Brachas. It's just uh, the week after they get married, we make we try to make meals every night. And last night it was uh, my friend's um, turn, so I got to speak. Let's see how many times I can go off ta- uh, off tangent and then off tangent and then off tangent. But um, yeah, I, I do have a focus on this. So I got up and I said um, I started my speech, and I said the famous story that uh, a rabbi every Saturday morning would speak for exactly 12 minutes. Always spoke exactly 12 minutes. And the congregants uh, one time came over to the rabbi and said, Rabbi, how is it that every week you speak for exactly 12 minutes? So I'll tell you the truth. My house is a 12-minute walk from the synagogue. And every Sabbath morning on the way to synagogue, I prepare the speech in my mind. I have 12 minutes to prepare. The speech takes 12 minutes. So I told everyone, I said, um, my, the person running the, the, the party came to me and asked me to speak. And I said, you know, um, I have to fly into New York. It was Monday. He asked me, he said, I'm flying in Monday. I'm flying back Tuesday. He says, no problem. You have the whole, you're in the airport, you have the plane ride going to and fro, and you're going to be coming back, you're in the airport, you got tons of time to prepare. And I told everyone I did spend a lot of that time preparing, so that would give me a couple hours worth of uh, things to say. But in any case, one of the things I actually said was a, was a fascinating question, a fascinating verse, it just seems to be out of order. It says... Um, and that's really what we're getting up to. Okay, so just hold on. So the question the question becomes, if Abraham allowed Lot to hang out with him, you have to figure Lot's an okay guy. Abraham is not interested in hanging out with wicked people. And as soon as Abraham sees that the shepherds of Lot are fighting with the shepherds of Abraham, so... Um, 
So and immediately Abraham tells Lot, you know, it's not going to work out with us hanging out together. Um, you go where you're going. I'll go where I'm going. I'll hang out nearby. But let's separate. It's not a good idea. We should be together. And Lot says, okay. So what happened till now? Right? As soon as we, as Abraham sees that Lot's not such a good guy, um, he says we got to separate. So what's what's been going on till now? So I saw many different commentaries say the same concept, and that is that till now Lot was a poor guy. He's poor, has no money, and he's trying to make Abraham happy. He's trying to be a good guy. But now that they left Egypt, they left Egypt with a lot of wealth. Abraham is wealthy. Lot is wealthy. The difference is that for Abraham, the wealth did not change who he was. It just meant that the good, the kindness, the, the hospitality that Abraham has been working on without money, now he can work on being a hospitable person and having guests and taking care of people and spreading the name of God with money. Lot, on the other hand, was really never a good guy. But he was poor. So you didn't know what kind of guy Lot was. But now that he has money, oh, now we see what kind of person Lot is. As they said, his true colors are now showing. Now that his true colors are now showing, Abraham says, okay, now we're going to separate. So the now separating between Abraham and Lot is because Lot became wealthy and now the Torah points out he's not a good guy. Now my point, one of the points I wanted to bring out is for a, a new young couple, right? You got you know, there's a lot of things that are important in life and there's a lot of things that are not important. And even though we all want to have money so we can afford to buy the things we need, but we need to remember that money is one of those things that can bring out our true colors. And if all we're doing is running after money, we may find out that we're not the person um, we hope to be, or at least that our parents hoped we should be. Okay, so we are moving along to try to figure out um, where Jerusalem is coming up in this week's Torah portion, and I'm uh, trying to get there. And I shall get there, don't you worry. But it's, uh, it's a little bit of a long drive to get there. So here we go. Now, Lot moves to the famous area of Sodom, Sodom and Gomorrah, or Sodom and Amorah, and that's where Lot hangs out, which again tells us his true colors because he had a choice of where to hang, and his choice was to hang out with a bunch of wicked people, which really next week's Torah portion is much more involved in what kind of place um, Sodom was, so we're going to if that's what I choose to talk about next week, we'll talk about it next week. That's not this week's conversation. But anyways, just so happened that this Sodom area was under the um, under the kingdom, or at least they sent their taxes, to a group called the Four Kings. One of those four kings was Chedel Omer. Chedel Omer was actually had a different name, that we've run into in the past, and that name was Nimrod, or Nimrod. Now, Nimrod did not like Abraham. Why didn't Nimrod like Abraham? Because early on, when Nimrod was king, he saw in his astrology that 
that Terach's son was going to basically take his crown away, meaning Abraham. And Nimrod wanted to kill that kid. Instead, Nimrod, instead his father Terach hid Abraham in the cave. And, and when Abraham comes out of the cave years later and he sees uh, the world, in his brilliance, in his philosophy, in his the way his brain understood, he was just obviously Abraham was a very, very brilliant person. And he's he figured out how the world runs, and he said the only way the world could run is if there's a God. So Abraham discovered God on his own. Nobody taught him about God. He completely discovered God just using his brain, just using clear thinking. Anybody who thinks clearly can discover God. The reason why most of us, for sure on our own, but even not on our own, don't discover God is because we don't want to discover God. Because if I, if I recognize there's a God, then I'm going to have to do what he wants. While if I make up my own God, then I can make up whatever my God wants me to do. Right? Was, we, we all sort of bribe ourselves. What's important to me? What would I like to do? How would I like to enjoy this world? And I just make the world work the way I would like it to work so that I can benefit the way I want to benefit. So you have to be a very smart person and be able to see through the forest and see through the fog to see clearly. You have to be a smart person and an honest person to be able to do that. It's not so simple. In any case, so Abraham meets this Nimrod because um, when Abraham comes out of the cave and he's discovered God, eventually the story becomes that he breaks all the idols in his father's idol workshop and Tarach takes him to Nimrod and says, this is the kid you wanted. So in the conversation, so finally Nimrod says, you know, I'm God. So Abraham says, that's amazing. I've been waiting to meet you. If you're God, though, I need a favor. I, I need a proof. You know, the sun came up this morning in the east, and it's set in the west. If you're really God, how about you get the sun to rise in the west and set in the east. If you could do that for me, you are God. That's it. You win. I, I have no more questions. Uh, Nimrod didn't like that. So Nimrod says, you know, I'm God, and I'm going to show you that I'm God, and I'm going to toss you into a fiery furnace and let your God protect you. So Nimrod has Abraham thrown into the fire, called Orkazdim, and Abraham survives. So... Uh, Nimrod is out to get Abraham, and uh, and uh, he's waiting for his chance. So this is the chance. What happened was this Sodom area stopped paying taxes for a bunch of years. So Nimrod and the other kings, the group of four kings, are marching on the land of Israel. Then it wasn't the land of Israel, but going after these five kings um, of Sodom, Amora, and three other places. And they're conquering everybody, and Sodom and Amora and the others go out to fight, and they lose the battle, and Nimrod captures, and Nimrod captures Lot. Some say they put him in a cage to say, Abraham, come and get him. As according to some, the whole reason Nimrod got involved in, in, in this war to go, after, go against the five kings was so that he could really get after Abraham. And Abraham um, says, no problem. 
Abraham says, uh, no problem. He goes to fight. How big his army is? The Torah tells me he had 318 people in his army, a minuscule army. And, of course, Abraham wins. That's the, the Torah says. That's straight out. There happens to be a famous story, but I'm not going to have time in this show to get to that story. Uh, but Abraham wins the battle, and um, the king of Sodom and Amor come out to greet him, and they say to Abraham, you know, give us the people back, but you keep the money because you won the war. Right? Spoils go to the victors. And Abraham says, I don't want your money. Now, there are those who say Abraham should have taken the people, though. Take the people. Your, your whole goal is to teach people about God. Here's your opportunity. You just got a bunch of cities. Abraham didn't want to do it that way for whatever reason. But there's a different person who is also by this party. And his name was Malki Tzedek. Malki Tzedek, Melech Shalem. But it says over there, he was the king of Jerusalem. Ah. Uh. At least I got to Jerusalem, because there goes the music. So at least I finally got to the place where it says Jerusalem in the verse. Anyways, the music is playing. Hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all our wonderful sponsor listeners, and I can't do it without you. Thank you to our production team. We have Al in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build, every room inside is filled with things from